0: Which you have so many highs and lows during the race, and, and really really kind of tracks life like life, which has always been one of the draws for me to the marathon.
1: Diz runs radio episode 707 starts in three, two. Hey guys, just real real quick before we dive into today's episode, just want to let you know, give you a little heads up that uh, there's a, a couple sections, not, nothing too bad, but there's a couple sections where there is a little bit of background noise. Um, we we uh, had a bit of a, of an issue with getting a good connection, so uh, ended up having to uh, the the guest that I have today, Chris, had to be at uh, the Starbucks to record. And for the most part, it wasn't bad. But there were just a couple spots. I tried to clean them up as best as I can, of course. But um, if you hear a little extra background noise, a little more than, than usual, um, I promise you that we did our, did our best to kind of keep things as, as crisp and as clear as possible. But bear with me. And uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, guys. My uh, guest today is someone that uh, has had plenty of success in his running career. And while he still definitely runs regularly... Uh, he's now doing quite a bit to help other runners in the pursuit of their running goals as well. So as a, as a runner, today's guest is a two-time Olympic trials qualifier. Uh, he has three second-place marathon finishes to his name and has won several distance, several races of, of shorter distances over his years of competitive running as well. Uh, today's guest, as you probably would have guessed, is also a running coach and works with, with local folks in, in the uh, Chicagoland area to help them prepare for races and, and get their best out of their running. Uh, And he's also part of a team that has developed a a new app that uh, might make preparing for some uh, big races a little bit easier as well. So we'll get into all of that as we go, obviously. But for now, it is uh, my pleasure to be able to welcome Mr. Chris Wehrman to the show. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to be on. I I am looking forward to spending a little bit of time with you talking about running, which is one of my passions, clearly, as is one of yours.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. That's that's the beauty of, of this show is everybody who comes on uh, is, uh, is always runners. So it's always easy to just talk about the, the thing that uh, we all love to do and, and the various forms and, and shapes that it uh, may take. And like I said, we'll, we'll get into all that as we go. But first, want to make sure to uh, let everybody know where to find uh, some, some more about what you've got going on with, with Run Better, uh, which again, guys, we'll get into that as we go. But runbetterapp.com is the website. And on Instagram, if you want to follow along and see some of the stuff they've got, they've got happening, uh, it's the same handle there as well, which makes it always easy. At Run Better App, uh, and we'll have everything linked up as we always do in the show notes for today's episode. Dizruns.com/708 is the link that'll take you there with uh, today's uh, kind of the, the Cliff's Notes version of the the conversation today with Chris, and uh, all things Run Better App will be there as well. So, Chris, the way we always uh, start off each episode of the show is with the same simple question. That uh, for some folks it's a pretty easy question to answer, and for some people it's it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, but it's just to simply ask. What is your favorite distance to race and why?
0: You know, I I knew that question was coming, and yet answering it is difficult because I (laughs) think about the different, you know, if I compartmentalize my running career a little bit, then it would depend really on the time of my running career that you're talking about. But I I would say at this point my fondest race is the marathon, even though it's by far the most painful Mm -hmm. both emotionally and physically. Uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, the, the primary reason which I've come to appreciate retrospectively is being able to train with other individuals to achieve a goal that is very difficult and to push your body and your mind through an event that it often does not want to go through and to be able to achieve some level of success uh, has always been very um, powerful. And, and I, so for that reason, I would pick the marathon now that i'm a slightly older runner who doesn't have the legs that i used to have
1: <laughs> gotcha gotcha you mentioned that it's uh difficult both physically and emotionally can uh you know obviously i think the physical part i think we can all anybody who's, who's run any distance can relate to some of the physical pounding and wear and tear especially if you've done road marathons and really pushed yourself or but i mean again that, that covers any distance for those that are more half marathoners whatever there's, there's a physical component but what's the uh the difficulty uh, emotionally for you
0: well, you know, you have the race itself, which you have so many highs and lows during the race, and, and really it kind of tracks life like life, which has always been one of the draws for me to the marathon. But you have the excitement and the camaraderie at the beginning. You have the self-doubt during various parts in the middle. Uh, you'll have your second, third, fourth win when you think that you can recover, and then going through those valleys when, again, you have that self-doubt, you you question yourself you prod yourself you promise yourself you make deals with yourself and eventually hopefully if everything goes moderately well you see the finish line and you cross the finish line and you know that you've spent every ounce of emotional energy to get through that point and then you have a, a level of pride of course of, of being able to get through it and uh, and and it, it's just it's, it's so much can occur in such a short period of time Uh, and it's the range of emotions and, and so it's, it's exhausting, but it's just so incredibly powerful. And I think what we all learn, certainly those of us that have run marathons or, you know, triathletes and longer distance endurance athletes is if you can push your body and your mind through those times of self doubt, then you realize that really, you can do anything in life. Mm. Uh, and and it's a powerful message.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, mentioned there in the in the intro, you have uh, a handful, or I guess three, maybe not quite a handful of second place finishes. Um, something that that I've never been at the front of the pack of uh, of of any any races. Really, I think I, I maybe uh, I, I do have one win of a, like a little local church fundraiser, uh, you know, charity type of, of event where there was a bunch of, of walkers and they're like I ran it, so I, I won it. But. Um, being up towards the front of of a marathon, you know, not so, some some pretty big marathons. I think if memory serves, Detroit was one, Green Bay was one, uh, maybe maybe Louisville as well. So I mean, some some bigger right. city bigger city races. Lots of you know, not not just a handful of runners there. Um, along the, the lines of the emotional struggles and and whatnot, is it harder to finish? Second in a marathon, then to finish somewhere farther back in the pack, like is that is that more difficult to be like I was so close to winning but not quite, or or how does how does that competitive you know being up at the front of a competitive pack, how does that play out emotionally? You know, it's hard to
0: apply that question to all three races because all Mm -hmm. three were so different. The Detroit Marathon, uh, I finished second by one second. I I got out kicked on the straightaway. It was uh, my first marathon I was I ran ex- much faster than my goal pace was yet fell short, uh, hadn't experienced the wall before, uh, hadn't experienced kind of that type of mental battle with myself as well as the battle of wits with my competitors. The other two, I wasn't quite as close to first place, so the battle was uh, different. You know, so mm-hmm. instead of you know finishing second is somewhat disappointing in Louisville and in Green Bay, but at the same time, the first place winners were a bit ahead, and I was able to beat the chase pack, Mm -hmm. uh, the the peloton. So, you know, I had other victories that in some ways overshadowed the second place finish. It's really just about context, I think. And so I would have loved to have had a a marathon victory to my resume, um, but I think also the second place finishes show that you you can still be a a champion really regardless of where you finish. uh, And it's not just about the numbers. A lot of times it's about the accomplishment. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and, and shoot, I think that's something that, um, a, a great perspective that, that a lot of us in you know, myself and, and those listening can, can relate to, because like I said, I'm never going to like, you know, I mean, let's, let's don't want to say anything's you know, nothing's uh, possible, but you know, odds are, uh, I'm not going to be at the front of a pack unless, unless there's no pack, <laughs> quite, quite frankly. Um, so, so for me, that's always the the case of, you know, what, what's, what was the effort today? Like, like, what can I take away from it? Pushing myself, things like that. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine getting getting out kicked and, and and coming up just a second short, especially for it being your first race. That that was that a tough pill to swallow for for a little while after it. It, it was, it was,
0: it was very tough, and uh, you know. But ultimately, what it did is it made me a stronger runner. It, mm-hmm. it increased my level of dedication and commitment to the sport. You know, if I wonder sometimes what would have happened if I had won, right? You know, would I have said okay? You know, and, and we can't. The trials window hadn't opened yet, so I I didn't have my trials qualifier. But would I have been a little bit more content? Uh, I don't necessarily think so as I look back, but maybe. um, Maybe I wouldn't have worked quite as hard to try to overcome that disappointment. Maybe my next training cycle wouldn't have – I wouldn't have evaluated the previous training cycle as much and tried to make the necessary changes to try to be victorious the next one. And, And, of course, I wasn't victorious. My next race was the Boston Marathon. Uh, in 2002 and I did qualify for the trials that day. I I finished 22nd overall, uh, did not run as fast as I did in Detroit and, and realized, you know, you, you just keep, you have to just keep making adjustments to try to be as good of an athlete, the best athlete that you can be. Um, so I, it was a tough pill to swallow, but I think ultimately it prolonged my career. It, It really, each setback has prolonged my career because it's kept me engaged in the sport because I'm not satisfied.
1: Right. Right. Um, wow. That's, that's, a, that's a great way to, to think of it. Um, and, and then yeah, I guess maybe the, 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 I don't know, maybe the obvious question. I don't know. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of stopped running competitively, I guess, from, from what I gathered on the website in, in 2008. Um, what was, what, when you made that decision to walk away, what was, or, you know, again, walk away from the competitive side of running. What was, what was the, the impetus of that decision?
0: It was multifold. I had been running at a high level for a long period of time, and I could feel and see my ability to compete at a high level slipping a little bit, which was frustrating. It was recognizing that as a quote-unquote professional athlete and a professional runner, it was never going to be... Uh, at a level that I was going to be able to support myself and my family mm-hmm. so I had to really start focusing on my career and looking at my career long term as opposed to just a job and it, it was time as I was in my early 30s to start um, having a family and I knew that there was really no way to be able to run 120 plus miles a week and travel and have a family and be able to participate in a meaningful manner. No myself Mm -hmm. and just i was too focused and too driven on the running and and i knew that um it would have just been a difficult emotional balance for me and so uh being able to just walk with the side to be able to then take that focus and shift it onto other necessary aspects of my life was really the right decision and so uh i i it was a it it was the right time and i think that made it easy and it's it's interesting you watch professional athletes and you want to of them walk away at certain times, and you know, once you achieve a certain level of success, and you're not sure you'll be able to do it again, uh, you say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away on top, or as, as high on the mountain as I can, and I'm just going to enjoy it." And mm-hmm. that's what I was able to do.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Do do you does, does any part of you miss the the competitive side of, of running at this point, or are you pretty, you know, ten years ten years of move pretty content with with how life is at this point as far as running relates to your life?
0: I am. I do miss it. I miss. I miss the competitiveness. I miss uh, being in a race and being able to break other athletes, which was always one of the fun parts. I miss uh, training at a high level with high lofty goals. Um, but I-, I still train with some guys, and we do. We meet once a week and do tempo runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet another time during the week, and we do fart licks or speed workouts. So I don't need the races necessarily to be able to – Uh, get some of those endorphins and have the camaraderie so i don't miss the racing itself i would absolutely miss the running and the training if i were to pull away from that so it's a good balance
1: right right um when when you uh again like mentioned in the in the uh intro there you had a couple times that you'd qualified for the olympic trials um what's it like to to uh toe the line at a race where you know, if, if things fall your way and and you know the right you know you have a great race, that you have a chance to represent the United States at the Olympics. What, what's what's that feeling like going into a race like that?
0: It's daunting, uh, but the benefit that I had was that I I knew you know maybe sadly that I was not going to make mm-hmm. the Olympic team the two times that I ran because of the. Athlete competing against. Mm -hmm. Um, But walking into that race and towing the line and and having four or five uh, former teammates from Michigan State also lining up and racing against people that I had raced against at the national level that were also working full time, I mean, I felt like it was a race within a race. And, Mm -hmm. And my goal really was to perform as well as possible and to try to beat as many of those people that were similarly situated as I was. And, and then walk away with my head held high because, you know, I, the first year, you know, Culpepper and Dan Brown, Mepka Flesky running against those guys and Abirahim. And I mean, Brian South, who obviously right. had a great race in New York, and Ryan Hall, who ran tremendously in Central Park. I, I mean, as much as I would have liked to have been side by side with those guys, I... I recognize the race that I wasn't going to be. So, uh, you know, I, I had my own race and I knew what that race was. And, and I obviously trained for it and competed knowing what the certain limitations that I had while trying to maximize my performance.
1: With, with with that kind of mindset or with that thought in mind of, you know, yes, it would be nice to, to race with these guys, but realistically, you know, it, it, it is it is what it's going to be. Like you said, the race within the race. Uh, something that I know that that I've struggled with in the past, some of the, the athletes I work with struggle with, lots of folks listening to the show probably struggle with, is that idea of of staying within themselves. Maybe it's at the at the start of a race and that that you know that potential of going out too fast or getting caught up with you know, kind of competing with, with the, the man or woman next to you a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm not going to let this guy pass me or I got I to stay in front of this lady. Um, something that I think a lot of us struggle with, you know, whether we're super competitive or not. I mean, it's just maybe it's maybe it's human nature. I don't know. But what I'm trying to ask is how, how were you able to turn off or at, maybe not turn off, but, but control that impulse of, you know, at this point in your and in, at that point in your life, I mean, you're a competitive runner. You're, you're used to being out in front. And, uh, you know, in these days with the, with the people that you were competing against, maybe it wasn't going to happen. How were you able to, to dial that back enough to, to focus on the race within the race and running, running your race as opposed to getting, getting sucked up into the environment, the stakes, and, you know, going out too hard and, and really blowing up towards the uh, you know, middle or later part of the race? Uh, two things. One, it's uh,
0: a lot of training. Uh, I knowing specifically what I was capable of doing, if I was having a good day, what I might be able to do if I was having a great day, what I probably could do if I was having a bad day and then having a very specific plan to be able th- to really put that in, in place. So, you know, I would know if, uh, some of the guys that I had mentioned, were going to drop a five minute mile at mile five, you know, I had done enough training to know what a five minute mile felt like. Uh, and in that type of surge, clearly was not something that I would be able to cover. Mm-hmm. And so, being able to stay within myself with the rhythm that I know that I had established through the training runs that I had done, and recognizing that these were athletes that at some point were going to pull away from me, so just allow it to happen uh, and uh, let it happen somewhat organically as the race develops, because, you know, I. As a competitor myself, I, I know how races develop, and as a fan of the sports, I see how races develop, and I was able to be in the race as a competitor and as a fan and to be able to watch it. So I could see what guys were doing, watching them look around, watch their, the, their turnover, their cadence increase, could see the surge was coming, and recognize based on the last handful of miles what my pace was that, I just didn't need to cover because Mm -hmm. if I did, then it would be detrimental to my race. So I think a lot of it was just really training at a high enough level that I knew what my body was capable of and I knew what it felt like so that I could stay within myself.
1: Gotcha. And that's, that's one of those things that, uh, is definitely easier said than done. Um, oh, absolutely. (laughs) You
0: know, I, and I preach that with my athletes all the time. Really, what I tell a lot of my athletes, especially in the marathon is when you get to the start line you know that everybody that sprints is going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. So try to find either a teammate or a competitor that you have, you have some experience with or somebody that you truly believe is going to be slower than you and try to run behind them for the first two miles or so. Because, right. you know, the marathon in particular, after the long training cycle and the taper and the anxiousness in the crowds, I mean, you're ready to just run incredibly fast. So if you find somebody and you just force yourself to stay behind them that's running slower than you'd like to, it's going to save, you know, minutes on the back end and an immense amount of pain. So that's another trick that I, especially when you're with masses and people that you don't know.
1: Yeah. And, and that's something that, uh, I know I have learned that lesson the hard way or, or, uh, and, and, and have started to really see the, the benefits of slowing down, uh, at the beginning and, and, uh, you know, it's 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 a tough it's a tough one to accept this idea that hey, even though you're feeling good in the first whatever it is five miles, eight miles, fifteen miles, whatever, like you don't don't push and try to you know bank some time uh, because very rarely does that pay off at the end where you end up giving more back than you gained uh, versus dialing it back. I love the idea of running behind somebody who's who either you know is going to be slow, maybe pick a pacer, and you like if you know you want to run a whatever, a, a 330, um, run behind the 340 pacer for the first 10 minutes or whatever. Um, but just something to keep you in check so that you don't go too hot at the beginning and then you can kick it at the end because it's it's crazy how that works. But, it, boy, is it uh, effective if you can do it right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and having that plan before you get to the start mm. line is very important. So, you know, we, we and I sit down with my athletes and we come up with plans. We have specific I have every athlete that I have that runs a marathon write out what their specific race plan is, uh, you know, what they're going to run for each mile, and then explain to me why. And then we'll modify it so that it's simple, right? Some people will say, well, I'm going to go out at, at 8.20, then my second mile will be 8.13, then my next <laughs> mile will be 8.01. I'm like, all right, well, how in the heck are you going to do that? So right. let's say the first two miles will be 8.20. Then let's progress down to... 8 times. and so that way, if you're a little bit hot, you know you don't have to pick it up when you get down to the 805s. Mm-hmm. And if you're a little bit slow, you know you got a little bit of time to make it up. But try to make it simple, but have it written out so you know exactly what the plan is, and then you can track that with the markers on the course. Because every major marathon, obviously, and, and even the non majors have uh, you know markers so you mm-hmm. know what your pace is. And if you know what it is and you have it burn in your memory, then it's a little bit easier to get it out to get out in the race and say, okay, this is the plan. I'm going to stick to it.
1: Yeah. Having, having a plan is, is, uh, is a, is a important piece of the puzzle that it can be, can be easy to overlook. So, you know, we kind of, I feel like we're kind of already transitioned into the, the coaching side of things, which is, which is great. Always, always love to get, um, bounce ideas off other coaches, get feedback from them and obviously try to help, uh, the people listening a, a little bit as well. So, um, if we could, if we could maybe chew into that a little bit more of, of making a plan for, for a race day um I, I do like the idea like you said of not making it too complicated because I've, I've seen that before it's like what do you want me to run every every mile and it's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. let's let's back off just a little bit um where, where when when you're working with an with an athlete who really is I mean you know a lot of type A runners so I know a lot a lot, a lot that I, I talk to you, where they really like to have <laughs> as much plan as, as possible as much specific plan as possible how, how do you try to go about getting to them where it's like hey we're going to have a plan, but let's not overly micromanage because, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Race day, 26.2 miles, 13.1 miles, whatever it is, weather, GI. There's a whole lot of, of things that can impact the plan. So you don't want to have too, at least I don't like to have too much of a, of a rock-solid plan uh, to where you can't adjust. How do you, how do you find that balance with the runners that you work with?
0: Well, I think that when you write the plan – uh, you base it obviously on the overall body of work that you've had throughout the training cycle, what your goals are, what you've set out before the training cycle, and what would be a, an ideal race day in terms of how you feel, conditions, etc. And then you got to work from that. and Uh, I I like to have my athletes at least three, if not five weeks out, start writing out their race plan so that we can start talking about it. And then we can also start talking about the impact of weather and you're watching the weather. And it's it's really a tough balance because if you you don't want your athletes to be looking at the weather 10 days in advance and freaking out because it's going to be too hot or it's going to rain or it's going to be cold or it's going to snow or whatever else, because you still have 10 more days to prepare for the race. The weather very well may change. And at the end of the day, the weather is what the other weather is. You're not going to change it. So stressing about it is not productive. Um, and if you, I I feel like if you talk enough about the plan and you talk enough about the training, then most athletes can accept and are already prepared for what to do under certain weather conditions. So that if you have to have a a quick touch base the day or, or two before the race based on weather conditions, they've already accepted that they may have to make some modifications because it's not a foreign concept tool. Mm-hmm. So it's really about discussing those types of things way before race day so that they understand it's at least a possible outcome that they may have to tweak their race strategy based on uh, factors that, that they may or may not be able to control on race day
1: and then and then on race day what what do you uh you know kind of go with whether it's from your i'm sure probably a lot drawn on your experience but also with with working with with runners and and encouraging them how how do you uh advise them obviously it's gonna be a case-by-case situation but in general to adjust mid-race because that's something that uh is, is 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 tricky because you know the weather the weather changes how your body feels changes um you know assuming that everything goes well with with the the training and that you have a good plan in place i still feel like more often than not you know one of my my favorite quotes is from mike tyson you know everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face how do you how do you equip your athletes to adapt and adjust the plan once you know the, the proverbial punch in the face on race day happens
0: These athletes, certainly the ones that I coach, have gone through long tempo runs where, you know, they've had good outcomes and not so great outcomes, long, uh, long runs where they've had to challenge themselves. Sometimes they've worked out. And so they're already prepared for recognizing to a certain extent how their body will react. And they also. Talk about it, recognize that just because you're having a bad moment in a race doesn't mean that the race itself is ultimately going to be bad. And so sometimes it's a matter of adjusting your effort and your pace and accepting, okay, that, you know, if we're using the eight minute type uh, pace as an example, all right, well, I just ran the eight minutes. That mile was a lot harder than the preceding eight minute mile. Maybe I needed to relax a little bit, run an 810 or an 815 for a couple of, of miles, or at least that type of an effort. To kind of get back into the groove and sometimes just being able to relax yourself a little bit instead of fighting and saying, oh, no, I got my plan says I got to drop down to 755 or 750. So now I have to increase my effort and recognizing that it's okay to sometimes back off a little bit because it may save you at the end uh, is a key component to be able to make those mid race modifications and then be able to still finish strong or hopefully be able to finish strong.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a, a great bit of advice because, yeah, again, you know, you get to this, this plan. And I've got this plan. I have to stay at this pace at this, at this point of the race. Um, and, yeah, fighting it to, to hold it there can definitely be one of those situations where you burn too much energy, both mental and physical, um, to where it really blows up, where, yeah, just back off. And, and you talked earlier about the, the roller coaster, the ups and downs, the easy patches and hard patches. I mean, that's something you experience on race day. And, and yeah, no one went to, to push and no one went to pull back just a little bit you might be able to make that up if you, if you, if you play it smart and and, uh, back off when it's appropriate.
0: Yeah. Huge, huge impact. One of the things I try to really, uh, instill in my athletes is that regardless of what pace you're running, you're still racing Mm -hmm. and use cues and you can use other people to help you achieve your goals. So, uh, you know, nobody in, in almost, in most marathons, you're not really running by yourself for 26.2 miles. Uh, and so I, we encourage athletes and we talk about tucking in, being part of these groups. You know, it's better to run five seconds miles slower with a group of 15 athletes that are breaking the wind for five miles than it is to run 10 seconds faster by yourself and then get swallowed up by them because you've expended that extra energy. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, if you, you talk enough about these little things and you try to incorporate them into your training, then it's not as foreign on race day because race day is already a little bit foreign because you're trying to stay calm. You're trying to stay relaxed. You're trying to have fun, but you're trying to be serious. And you've already got enough things to mm-hmm. worry about trying to focus on your race plan uh, without it being second nature becomes very difficult and problematic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um a little bit more, less specific of coaching tips and just kind of coaching in general. Um, what was, and maybe kind of this would have, where we would have gone if, if the conversation didn't go how it is. So maybe I'm backtracking a little bit here, but what was the, the transition into coaching like for you? I mean, was, was that um, kind of, did that feel like the natural progression? Was that, was it, was it difficult to kind of turn off the, um, I, I think you, I, I don't remember the exact dates. Maybe, maybe you've been coaching before you, you gave up the competitive side of running, but what, what is it like to, 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 well, I'll just leave it at that. What was, what was it like transitioning into, into coaching? For you? Yeah,
0: you know, it, it wasn't. I didn't think particularly difficult. Insofar as there were a number of athletes that were training with me while I was still running at a high level, that I was coaching as my my teammates. And in mm-hmm. fact, the 2008 trials, which were actually run in 2007 in New York City, uh, there were three of us from Chicago that ran there together, and we had, you know, I had written the workouts. Uh, uh, with the plan. I had discussed with the miles, etc., uh, while also recognizing that I needed them to get that level. And then with that, other athletes wanted advice. And so it was a, a natural progression. Then once I retired from the competitive racing to just continue to help runners try to achieve their goals, which is, which is how I ended up meeting both uh, of my partners with run better, Nicole and Kurt, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just try to help them then achieve their goals as my career was kind of winding down and live a little bit vicariously through them. So I was certainly getting a lot out of it uh, as well. It wasn't just me helping other people. It was me living vicariously through them and enjoying running just on a different level. And you know, I would get nervous for them and I would be stressed for them just like I would with my training because I would want it to go as well as possible. I'd want the race plans to go as well as possible and i Have be successful.
1: Have you, have you found it... More stressful, more anxious, less equal, whatever the case might be, um thinking about that that very same thing of of comparing your races to somebody that that you're working with you know uh, an athlete that you coach versus you know when when you're towing the line there's there's a certain amount of of nerves and anxiety but i feel like for me at least like i'm in control here but when it's one of my athletes it's like all right like you know i'm more nervous for them i I celebrate more when they have a great race i feel worse when when they don't have as good of a day uh how does that that kind of roller coaster side of things that the emotions play out for you
0: Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's nothing that I can do on race day. I I have to be confident in their ability and the preparation that we did going into it. And if I'm not confident for some reason, and I'm not suggesting that I've ever not been confident, but if I weren't, I would have to put on the face of of confidence. Because the last thing he needs to believe is that their coach doesn't have confidence in everything they have done up to that point in time. And the other thing is, it, and you know, I'm sure all of us have heard it from our parents, right, who have said, do as I say, not as I do. Mm. Uh, and so there's a little bit of uh, disassociation insofar as I know what my athletes are going through because I've been there. But sometimes I just have to remind them, you know what, just stop listening to yourself and listen to me. Mm. I know what's right. You know, not – and the reason why I know what's right is because what you're thinking right now or, or what you're worried about is not something you need to be thinking about. So focus on my words instead. And so, uh, it, it again, and I think with running generally in, in life, it's it's just about that balance of trying to instill confidence. And, and you know, but it is hard. Like you pointed out, I, I can't do anything when we're out there. I mean, I can cheer for them. I can give them tips. I can uh, hope that all of the conversations that we have had will uh, will resonate with them in the race. But, you know, then I just have to wait for the results and that's tough sometimes. That's Mm -hmm. really tough. Mm
1: -hmm. And and one of the ways we talk about, uh, I guess, I guess maybe this is me thinking I've maybe done this enough times that I can segue a little bit here, but, um, one of the ways that you can really build confidence in how you're going to do on race day is to be familiar with the course that you're racing on. And, and, you know, if if you're running a local course, you know, a, a marathon that's, that's local to you, it's easy to go out and, and train, on the course you know more often than not the roads are accessible even if they're not close to traffic you can go train on the roads you can experience the uh-huh. hills you can you can know what's what's in store for you um before race day comes which which just gives you that extra little bit of confidence that, that hey been here done that you know, know know what i can do but if you're racing a uh, you know if you're running a race that's not local um you know you may not be able to just fly to boston or fly to chicago or fly to wherever to run the train on the marathon route on a regular basis, so then when, you, when race day comes, there's that extra little bit of anxiety of not knowing what what's you know what's what's ahead of you. Um, and with with Run Better, with with the app that you guys have, have been working on and creating, you kind of take some of that uh, anxiety out of the equation by by helping to um, let people experience as much as possible the the race course itself. So uh, we'll get into some of the specifics as we go. But where did the the idea the seed get planted for the run better app and, and, and the process to get it to where we are today.
0: Well, yeah, the impetus was really working with the, Nicole and, and, Kurt, my partners as athletes way before we came up with run better app. Uh, They were both very good athletes, um, but through the right amount of uh, an appropriate coaching and dialogue, both of them ended up being sub-three-hour marathoners. And when I was working with them, at least initially, Nicole was uh, maybe three hours and 35 minutes or so, working full-time and and very busy, but very Mm -hmm. dedicated, but just needed some direction. And and same with Kurt, who was uh, an accomplished endurance athlete, but... um, you know, I, I think just needed some direction and, and both of them uh, traveled quite a bit for their races and living in Chicago, which is very flat. We would try to incorporate as much hill and treadmill work as possible to try to be hills. Uh, but we just, it was very difficult, if not impossible to really be as prepared for the hills living on, in the relatively flat Chicagoland area as, you know, the Boston course, or the New York course ultimately is. So we, uh, after the three of us kind of retired from competitive training and racing, uh, we, we had always been just a little bit bothered by this idea of how do we how do we solve this problem? How do we allow athletes to be able to prepare for races in ways that I wasn't able to prepare my athletes as a coach and my athletes, Kurt and Nicole in particular, weren't able to be prepared for as, as athletes? And the two of them had tr- transitioned a little bit into triathletes. So they had done some stuff on bikes and and thought, well, why don't we have something for runners to be able to run these courses on treadmills? And that that and we thought, you know, why don't they? And if they don't, let's solve that problem. And that's really how the Run Better app came about—is solving this problem that we were not able to solve when we were coaching and running, so that other people could be prepared, uh, especially if they're they're in areas such as chicago where you're dealing with flatlands or snow or you know people are training for boston uh or or just want to mix up their training and and not just get on the treadmill and be bored Mm -hmm. uh so there's a lot of great uses with the run better app and and we wanted to bring that athletes uh, because we are them and Mm -hmm. we want others to experience it in a way that's meaningful as we were
1: so i I kind of know the the basics but uh you know for 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 my benefit and for everybody listening, you know, I think we've kind of hinted around at it, but it, it's it's an app that that. Well, I'm gonna. Why don't you just explain exactly how sure. it works? So so somebody gets gets the Run Better app. They're on their treadmill. Uh, they want to run New York. What, what what happens here? How does this work out?
0: We've made it as easy as we possibly can. So you download the the Run Better app and you select the the New York City course. We've broken up our courses, and we have marathons, half marathons, and then some marathon sections of both Ironmans and half Ironmans uh, into four-mile segments so that you can run any one or multiple four-mile segments in whichever way that you want to run them. So you could run the first four miles and the last four miles, if you so chose. Uh, and then you select the, on the app the pace that you are going to run on your treadmill. You then turn on your treadmill and select the pace that you're going to be running. And the app will tell you when to adjust the incline based on where you are on the course, based on the speed you're running. So the adjustments will be different for people that are running a 10 minute mile uh, compared to those running a five minute mile, because obviously five minute miles are running twice as fast. So you are, are legitimately emulating the actual course, the actual inclines um, and, and if your treadmill allows it, the actual declines. Mm. Yeah, it is much more engaging than random hills or obviously not having any hills uh, because we, we've laid out the app so you can actually see kind of what's coming up. Just like you'd be outside. You can mm. see the hills coming up, get to the crest. And we've laid it out so that you can see where you are on the course by way of the uh, the changes in uh, the incline. And it it alerts you. So it's it's really, you know, as as athletes ourselves, we try to design it so that it was as functional, and easy, and engaging as possible. And you really don't have to do anything other than adjust the treadmill on the uh, uh, incline, unless you need to adjust the pace because you're climbing some big hills, like Mm -hmm. in New York City. There's a couple of bridges that are that are challenging, and and, and Big Sur, which we're getting ready to uh, to go out to, because we're partnered with Big Sur. I mean, they've got some big hills, so you you can make the adjustment. relatively specifically so that you can get your training on treadmill on the courses that you're getting ready to race on
1: I I I will admit Chris and and, uh, people listening know that I am fortunate in that I live in in Central Florida um, which means I'm unfortunate as far as hills go but I'm fortunate in that very rarely if ever does the weather get so bad that I'm I'm forced (laughs) to to run inside I I am probably about as anti- treadmill as as it comes um, and i'm not going to say that this that this app was, has got me going like maybe i should jump on a treadmill and, and give it a shot but i can i can see how this would be useful not only in, in you know training and preparing for a specific race but also like you said just to, to break up the monotony a little bit to have a little bit of of right. something different something new spice up the you know i mean that's my problem with the treadmill is just how boring it can be to just beyond there, staring at the, at the same wall or some stupid show on TV or whatever, whatever you're doing to try to pass the time, boy, it, it eats it up. So it sounds like this is really a nice option. Have you, have you gotten, I mean, as we're recording this, we're kind of hopefully coming out of finally out of, out of winter of 2019 with the polar vortex and all that kind of stuff. Have you gotten some, some feedback from people who've been forced on the treadmill and, and have been using the app and like, my gosh, this has been a savior for me.
0: Yeah. We've gotten just a ton of, of positive feedback, uh, athletes who want to experience other courses, athletes who can't get out because of the weather, uh, you know, athletes, and I've coached some of them myself, who, who have young children and maybe can't mm-hmm. leave the house for various right. reasons, to be able to engage in their training in a more meaningful way and to prepare for some of the challenges. I mean, we, you know, right now the uh, Boston course is free, so people regularly are jumping on the Boston course uh, and they're experiencing Heartbreak Hill. Mm. you know everybody talks about heartbreak hill but you know it, 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 not many people are able to just fly out to boston right and then drive out to the, the course and then run that hill over and over but you know what you go to your gym you jump on your treadmill you know a lot of offices have, have treadmills so there's accessibility you have the ability now to run heartbreak hill you have the ability to run other courses that you're training for uh we all the the world majors are on there uh we've got uh some some smaller races that have uh, very challenging hills maybe people are getting ready to run the new zealand marathon you know maybe they just want to have the challenge of running some big hills so that some of the smaller hills at other races are just not as challenging
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, so you know what we did when we designed it is the three of us as athletes were like well what what would we want not what do we think other people would right. necessarily want, but what would we want as athletes? Because if we're not going to use it, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. So that, that was our, our focus. And and other athletes, you know, their feedback uh, is, is really spot on. I mean, you can tell that they are looking at it the same way that we are as a tool to supplement their training, not necessarily to replace their training, but to supplement it.
1: Right, right. Um, you mentioned that that the the Boston course right now is is free. What you know, I, I'm, I'm sure people are listening to this going, all right. What's what's you know what, what's the, what's the cost? So let's 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 just address that right here, right right out in front. What's what's yeah. the cost of using the app for people that are interested?
0: The, we have a monthly subscription fee uh, of just under five dollars. The app itself is is free to download. Mm-hmm. Uh, subscription free does is it gives you access to all the other courses. Uh, So Boston is is free right now, but the other courses that we have on there that I've identified before are accessible. And then it keeps track of all of your various uh, runs. So you can keep track of what runs, what courses, what segments of the runs that you have done. Uh, and then we're, you know, we we're expanding that and adding courses periodically as we continue to partner with races and specific races. would like to see their races on the app. Uh, Monterey Bay, we were out in November. There, we're one of their tech partners. And uh, Big Sur, as I mentioned, coming up next month, uh, we're we're partnered with them. So you know, obviously, their races are are on there and. Um, uh, we give access to the, the races' websites uh, with, with the races that we've partnered with. So, you know, we, we try to keep the cost down, uh, mm-hmm. recognizing that uh, it's, you know, it, it, it is a business and we're trying to continue to expand and um, improve the app. And that costs time and that costs uh, money, so, but you know, at the same time, we want athletes to be able to have this access in a way that's meaningful and, and isn't going to break the bank. So, uh, I think we've done a nice job of trying to balance all of those factors to help athletes continue to progress in their training.
1: Yeah, it it's, it sounds it sounds pretty uh, pretty cool. One, one thing that another question that I had when you were explaining. Uh, kind of how it works, and, and you know you can see what's coming. Is it is it like video of the actual course itself, or is it like is that is that a component of of the um, of the app?
0: It is not a video okay. of the race itself, so you are not going to have to engage in looking at a screen. And we really don't want people to have to look at a screen. I mean, most mm-hmm. of the athletes that I've either coached or that uh, we have engaged in, you know, are not watching a lot of television on their when they're running. Mm-hmm. Uh, some certainly do sometimes to pass time, maybe if they're running a little bit longer and and just kind of a, a flat, incline-less uh, run. Uh, but we want that to be a little bit of engagement without it really distracting you. And so what the screen shows is it just shows uh, the course on a linear level so you can okay. see the the course what's coming up as you move from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen uh, so you can see the inclines and the declines so it's, it's simplified even more than having the, the video which um, it, the athletes that we've spoken to just it's too much mm-hmm. uh, you know they don't they don't want to be that focused on what they're seeing because they want to be focused on their pace. They want to be right. focused on the hills. They want to be focused on their form. Uh, they want to be focused on uh, the mental preparation for the race, et cetera.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, I, like I said, I, I, it's just being honest, it's not going to get me to get inside all of a sudden, especially this time of year because it's like the, the two-month window when it's actually comfortable to run outside in Florida. But uh, it, it sounds, it <laughs> sounds fantastic, um, and, and I got a feeling that a lot of people are going to be interested in it Uh, And certainly, you know, the the, the ability to check out different courses and whatnot. Um, Apple and Android, are you both places, one or the other? You know, in the the app store, where can people find it? We are
0: on Apple right now. We are working on the Android components, but we are on Apple. And I want to just point out one other thing that it does have, which I think could be a benefit to some of your users. We also have specific training programs for some of the marathons on there. So Mm -hmm. for those people that don't have... Uh, access to a coach uh, i have written out specific training programs that incorporates the use of the treadmill based on the course that you are running uh, knowing that like you and I, i'm very I'm, I'm the same i am not getting in, on a treadmill and running seven days a week on the treadmill but i recognize the benefits of getting on the treadmill to run some hills and sometimes you have to have specific workouts on certain uh train changes and so we've we've incorporated that as a useful tool for athletes as well and try really try to make it um a great compliment to athletes' training to be successful.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. We well, definitely uh, would encourage you all to check it out. And, and there's one more one more reason you all should get iPhones and not Androids because you know stuff comes to iPhone first because <laughs> it's it's the better phone anyway. But uh, maybe that's maybe that's just my uh, my own subtle bias. But uh, as as we're getting uh, close to to wrapping up today, Chris, I'm um, going to shift back a, a little bit away from from Run Better and, and ask what I kind of call a philosophical question, which for, can be a little scary for some folks, but it's really just kind of very similar to the introductory question a very open-ended question um and you can just kind of take it and go with it whichever direction you want and this will, will put a bow on it for today um but uh just just kind of curious for you um what does at this point in, in your career you know running we didn't even really get into it but but walking on at, at college running at michigan state um transitioning into obviously a competitive career that was that was by a lot of accounts very successful um and then you know into coaching and, and what running is for you like now um, with, with where you are today, what what does running mean to you? Or what does what does um? Why do you still run? You know why? With with all of the the ups and the, and the downs and, and as competitive as you were and, and racing at the the highest level, Olympic trials qualifying. Um, why do you still get out there today with with not being quite at that level anymore? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. I, because I have
0: you know. The, There's a lot of answers, but the primary answer is uh, I have control over what type of athlete I want to be. Mm -hmm. So even though I am not going to be as competitive as I used to be, I mean, I'm I'm unfortunately getting older and a little bit slower. So I know that I won't be the same, Chris, that I was when I was 24, 25, 26. Uh, I can choose if I am going to be uh, successful at this stage in my running career. Do I want to be fit? Then I've got to run some miles and do some workouts. Do I uh, want to and maybe gain some weight? Then okay, then I don't have to work so hard. At the end of the day, every single morning when my alarm goes off, I have the choice as to whether I'm going to get out of bed, lace up my shoes, and get out the door or get on the treadmill Mm -hmm. um, for those of the the, runners that are on treadmills. And, And that's my choice. You know, and, and obviously, sometimes life dictates that the choice isn't mine. But on the most part, it is. And I get to choose that. And, and I felt the same way when I was an athlete, a high-level athlete as well. I got to choose whether I was going to be a committed athlete and did the things right to maximize the outcome, or if I just wanted to skate by. And if I wanted to skate by, then I certainly couldn't be upset about my choices and the outcomes because I was in charge of that. Uh, and And I think that's what makes running so powerful is that we as athletes can decide what type of outcome we are going to have based on our choices with the inputs that we are that we are incorporating and uh there's just not a lot of things in life where we have that type of control on the outcome i mean we can try and we work hard and and we we try to control the outcomes in our careers and our families and we can't always um and we can't always in running either but i feel like we ha- i have more control over the outcome, and the enjoyment, and the fitness, uh, and the freedom than I do um, in other ways.
1: Mm, gotcha, and and that's uh, as as per usual. That's why I love a- asking these questions at the end because it's it's just a great a great nugget and a great a great thing for people to to chew on as uh, as we wrap this up today. So I'm going to not uh, talk too much more and, and muddy that up. So once again, guys, want to check out. Um, the Run Better app and, and, and get it out and try it out and, and uh, make your treadmill runs a little bit, uh, hopefully a lot more tolerable. Um, runbetterapp.com is the website. You can find it in the App Store. And, and for those of you that are just committed to your, your silly Androids, it'll be, it'll be coming to the, uh, the marketplace at some point. But uh, maybe maybe the better choice, get yourself an iPhone, get the Run Better app from the App Store on instagram at runbetterapp as well if you want to follow along and, and kind of see what some of the stuff that they've got going on and i'm sure there'll be announcements when there's new courses available all that kind of good stuff uh and disruns.com slash 708 once again it's a link back to the show notes for today's episode uh everything from today's episode anything that we linked to talked about whatever it'll all be there disruns.com slash 708 so chris thank you for uh for taking the time today uh certainly uh you know you know just appreciate it and and wish you nothing but the best with the app and uh you know anything we can do to to help uh, promote what you guys got going on things like that just let me know but uh thanks for taking the time today and and all the best going forward thanks
0: danny same with you i look forward to hearing some more of your podcast in the future
1: all right guys thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show i hope you enjoyed the conversation between chris and myself and as per usual be curious to know what you thought of today's episode. What was what was your takeaway from the conversation today? Uh, for me, it was it was when, when we were talking about some of the the coaching aspects of things, and Chris mentioned the idea of not uh, not fighting to try to hold on to your goal pace early in a race. And you know, it's it's one of those things that I don't know that I've ever I've ever really completely thought about or or, or heard of that idea, but it makes so much sense. So if you know, if, if you've got a long race, a half marathon, a marathon, any anything pretty much longer than than maybe a, a 5K. 5K would be kind of tough. Um, but anything, anything where you've got a little bit of time to make up make up some ground, you know, if if you're just kind of getting off to a slightly sluggish start and you're really stressing about I have to hit this this perfect split, this you know, nine minute split, this eight minute split, this nine forty five, whatever, whatever your goal pace would be if you're, if you're really struggling, just try to relax. Just try to relax and um, not worry so much about if you give away 10 seconds or 15 seconds for a mile or two. Um, because by doing that, like we talked about, of course, you're going to save... You, you, instead of burning all this extra energy trying to hold this this pace where you're more likely to fade at the end, you're going to save some gas in the tank. And hopefully, you know, if training has gone well, hopefully these first couple of miles where, where you're struggling to be on your perfect pace Um, you know once once you kind of get going and and your body kind of wakes up and figures out what's going on and and you kind of relax into the race a bit more you might find that all of a sudden it's not too difficult to maintain your pace and that's going to leave you that gas in the tank to to pick it up a bit at the end finish strong and still get back under your goal time so I, I just thought that you know kind of you know, for me, you all know that I struggle with the mental side of things, and this would be one of those those situations where it's like, oh shit, you know, like I, I've got to be locked in at, at this pace right now. Um, you know, especially if, if you're chasing down like a big time goal of you know breaking four hours for the first time, or breaking you know three forty five or three thirty or five hours or Boston qualify, whatever it might be, whatever whatever that that big thing is out there where you've got this specific pace you you quote unquote need to run. If it's not working in the first couple of miles try to, try to breathe, try to relax and see what happens. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I know for me, there's been several times where, you know, it starts off or a run starts off. Um, especially even with me and my heart rate training, you know, it starts off and it's, the heart rate's kind of high, um, maybe not over my limit, but it's just kind of higher than I want it to be. And it's a bit of a struggle and like, I'm, I'm kind of running slow. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple miles later, I look down and I'm, I'm a minute faster and my heart rate has gone down, you know, and it's just, that's just a, an example of how you just relax into a run, your body starts to, to figure out what's going on and lo and behold, you know, things start to, to move a little bit better. So, um, don't get so locked in. At least I'm going to try not to do this. I'm going to encourage you maybe as well, but this is why it was my takeaway. Not getting so locked in on that pace from the, the very start. Give yourself some slack, give yourself some grace and, uh, you know, just relax. If, if hitting that, that number is a real struggle, just relax and see what happens. So that was, that was my takeaway what about you? What stood out to you from this episode? Let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram as well. Of course, you can shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And if you want to head over to the show notes for today's episode, despite what I said in the conversation, and I don't know if you even caught that or not, but I had my my number system was thrown off a little bit when we recorded this. But uh, this is, in fact, episode 707. So Dizruns.com slash seven zero seven. We'll take you back to the show notes for today's episode. Uh, links, definitely check out the uh, the the app, uh, especially for those of you that are, are treadmillers, uh, runbetterapp.com. Check that out and, and let me know what you think. And and maybe maybe I'll give it a shot at some point. I don't know. I, I, uh, I can't see a scenario where I'm going to get on the treadmill and, and give it a shot, even though it sounds like it's pretty fun. And uh, definitely much better than just running on the treadmill, you know, just boring, boring on the treadmill. But anyway, definitely. Uh, Let me know what you thought about today's episode when you get a chance. And uh, as as we're getting kind of close to to completely pulling the plug, but you know, kind of the new the new format now, or at least uh, trying this for a little while. Kind of how to support the show towards the end. Um, I've got something new for you. Got something new for you. Finally, finally at long last, the little things course is ready. It is available. It's still maybe not quite perfect, but uh, you know, done is better than and done and slightly imperfect is better than not done and striving to be perfect, right? Um, so get it out for you. Right now, there's four units available. I'm definitely planning on adding another one down the road, but it's not, It's I'll be honest, it's not gonna be a number one priority. But right now, the units that are available, diet slash nutrition, cross-training, uh, uh, stretching, foam rolling, soft tissue massage, that type of thing, kind of recovery type of stuff, and sleep. Those are the four units that are available. Would love for you to check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, Dizruns.com slash little things. L-I-T-T-L-E-T-H-I-N-G-S. Dizruns.com slash little things. Check it out and let me know. And uh, like I said, there's still, a, there's still a little bit of polish and a little bit of shine that I need to put on it. A couple of, of things that I still need to address. Um, nothing Nothing major quite possibly nothing that you're even going to notice, but uh, maybe you will. I don't know. Let me know, but let me know what you think overall. And if you like it, I've got some plans for some other courses coming down the pipe. Um, probably not in coming weeks, maybe in coming months, but certainly before the end of, of this year and and beyond. Um, I've got a lot of ideas for courses to, to create if you like them. Um, obviously I I hope at least you'll, you'll agree that a lot of work went into this one. When you get in there and start poking around and, and checking it out. um, and and so if I'm going to do a lot of work, I you know I, I hope that you enjoy it. I'm not going to do it if, if there's not uh, if it doesn't seem like it's beneficial for you. But the course is free, just FYI. There's 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 um you know it, it'll put you on the email list if you're not already there. Uh, there's some affiliate links in there, lots of affiliate links in there. So that's the way you know you can kind of support uh the creation of these these courses. If I want if I'm going to keep them free, obviously got to got to you know have a little bit of something for the the time and effort and energy that goes into it and the equipment. Um, but we can do that on the back end. And ways, you know, the affiliate stuff doesn't even cost you a, a penny. You know, you just, you know, get some stuff from Amazon or get some stuff from wherever, um, and it, it supports supports the show, supports the courses, things like that. Uh, of course, all the other ways that you support the show, Patreon, shares, all those types of things, they all work for the course as well. So, you know, the, the I've got I've got some big plans. I uh, just got to keep taking things one step at a time and, and get there. So this is this is the first domino has officially fallen disruns.com slash little things check it out like I said let me know what you think what you liked what you didn't like um, there's going to be a, some subtle changes over the next couple of weeks on that probably but again nothing nothing too major nothing that I'm going to hold off on you get in there and you check it out let me know what you think but uh, that is it for today uh, thank you guys for listening thanks for the support thanks for all you do to keep uh, keep things going happy April Fool's Day if you're listening to this on the day the episode comes out this is and th- that wasn't some clever try to be a clever plank or prank I wasn't trying to be some clever cleverness with the show note debacle either that was just uh, that was just a a gaffe on my part Um, but uh, hope you had a good a good start to April Uh, new month get after it Uh, and if you listen to this well in the future well you know hope you have a great great rest of your day whatever day it is Uh, and until next time be well take care thanks again for listening and we'll talk soon see you guys